I know you can get it. I'm going to talk to you about. All right, there it is. War here, just in case you were to hear my entire message and not really sure what is it that he preached on, just remember the t-shirt, all right? Hope. If the last couple of years has taught us anything as a human race living on this side of heaven, is there is absolutely nothing and no one that you and I can put our hope in 100% risk-free on this side of heaven. Zero. I mean, you know, we, 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 we need to hope to be able to survive. Like, you know, the, the sin of, of the youth is being overly optimistic. Uh, youth think they're indestructible. I used to be one. I used to feel that way. I can't believe I'm still alive, honestly, because I tested that. Uh, you know, shoot for the stars. You'll probably hit the galaxies. I, I can do anything I put my mind to. We believe that when we are younger. The sin of the youth is over-optimism. The sin of middle-aged is over-pessimism. <laughs> right? we got to guard against pessimism because a lot of our dreams were broken, unreached, shattered. You put our hope, there are different places you can put your hope on earth. One, you can put them in people. You know, they say, oh yeah, I'll be there at 2 o'clock. I'll meet you at 2 o'clock. 2 o'clock comes... They're not there. You wait till 205, 2.10, 2.15, no text, no phone call. And then they show up and, or they don't show up at all. Isn't that crazy? Or it may not just, you know, be as simple as somebody being late to an appointment. It could be putting your faith in an employer that said they're going to give you that promotion if you do such and such. And you do that and then they don't come through. It's really disappointing. Or you put your faith in the I do, and then she didn't or he didn't. And, and it shatters your dream of what the I do is supposed to be all about. And if you're not careful, you end up living bitter and resentful. Or you put your hope in your parents, that they're going to be about, be about you and not themselves. Or you put your hope in your kids, that they're not going to do something to shatter your heart as a parent or shame the family. Put your hope in a church. You come to a church to find hope and you run into people. And if it was perfect before you showed up, now it's not perfect anymore. Because, you know, we may not intentionally try to hurt each other. I hope not, especially in church. But people are people. We're all imperfect. We're all broken. We mean to follow through on our promises, but sometimes we just don't. Can't. Something gets in the way. We don't control everything in all circumstances. Put your hope in politicians. Everybody laughs and says, oh, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. That's why so many people are so discouraged, disillusioned, and disappointed when their person doesn't end up winning. That shows you where our hope was. And it's important stuff because whoever is in power uh, is able to implement the value system they or their political persuasion believes is the right value system. And everybody else groans for four to eight years. And then it flips. And then we find out how much bribery goes on. How much hypocrisy there is. How much lying there is. How much propaganda there is. And it's just so disheartening. Putting our 
hope in the government or in politicians. I believe many of them mean well, but it's those who have the power, those who are pulling the levers that dictate the destiny of our nation. Or maybe you put your hope in your 401k and then 208 happened, 2008. Put your hope in your savings. Put your hope in your money manager. They know how to make the right investments for you. Some of you really saved hard. I know some of you that were frugal. You saved hard. You worked hard. You put it in your money into investments into the market. And then the people pulling the levers either just, I don't know what to say about what they do with economics. But somebody's somebody went to lunch and left somebody who didn't go, didn't graduate in economics pulling the levers. And a lot of us lost a lot of money. Job says, if I put my hope in gold, I will be judged. Meaning, it will be proven that that was the wrong place to put my hope. The Bible says, if money increases, if riches increase, do not put your hope in them because your money grows wings and flies away like a bird. Or maybe you'd be like a friend of mine recently that I quoted the scripture in the book of Ecclesiastes that says, two are better than one because one can fall down, the other can lift them up. And they said, I can lift myself up. I'm like, what? You got to live a little while to realize that that doesn't work. Putting your faith in yourself. You know, here's the truth about life and the way it works. There's three different levels of I call it maturity. One is dependency. You're born, you don't do anything. You just lay on the ground, you dribble, you, you poop, and that's about it. Like I said to one person the other day, you know, I said, my dog, my dog is blind, deaf, has dementia. All it does is just eat, poop, and sleep. She goes, oh, that's like my brother. <laughs> when we're born, you're just totally 100% dependent. But then you become a teenager and you realize, hey, I, I, I'm capable. I can work, I can get a job, I can make money, I can grab a car, I have my own ideas. I'm an individual. But most of us never graduate from independence because we're taught that that is the pinnacle of success and maturity. But if you live long enough, you realize you cannot do anything by yourself in life. Oh, yes, I can. Did you build the house you're living in? Did you grow the food that you went to the grocery store and bought? Do you uh, do you have your own grocery store? Do you get sick? I mean, do you have an R&D at home or a research and development? And you find out the drug that'll help you and you, you give your, prescribe yourself the drug? And I mean, it's just silly, right? I mean, we are dependent on one another. Everyone has skills and gifts and talents. That's the way God designed the world, is that we are to be interdependent. You find out who you are, your gifts, your talents, your capabilities. Hopefully you have character and you bring that to the table. And then somebody else brings what they have to the table. That's how football teams win. That's how churches win. That's how families win. That's how businesses win. And then you get wise enough, you start to staff to your weaknesses. You find out what you're not good at. And then you surround yourself with people who are good at the things you're not good at. And that's how you truly live successfully. But when you have been beaten enough in life, when you have been stabbed in the back by a best friend, Mark, you've had it done to you, I've had it done to me, wife's had it done to her. Anybody ever been like disillusioned by someone you thought was your friend and then you found out they weren't? 
That hurts, man. Find out. And so what happens is we start getting jaded and cynical and untrusting. And then you are well balanced. You go through life well balanced because you have a chip on both shoulders. And you're like, I don't need anybody. And you put your hope in yourself. And that is a major mistake. You know, we think of people who go through AA, NA, SA, we think about them as losers. We think about them as people that couldn't make it. They didn't have the strength. But you know the truth is, when you reach the bottom, it's actually the greatest gift you could ever experience. Because that is when you come to the truth that already existed before, and that is, you can't make it alone. You do need a higher power. We were not created as human beings to live disconnected from God. And it's when we are healthy and wealthy and we, we, we have some semblance of success, that's dangerous. In fact, you know God says, I am the one that gives you power to gain wealth, that I may establish my covenant with you. He says, but when you have eaten and you are full, give thanks lest you forget who made you prosperous. You see, prosperity is more dangerous than poverty. When we're desperate, we cry out to God. When we're self-sufficient, we don't need Him. And so people that have hit rock bottom, they simply find out the truth. Right? I got some head shaking, I mean, nodding up here in the front row. Hey, man, that's why she's sitting in the front row. That's why Mark's in the front row. Sam, you're in the front row just because you're cool and you're, the, you're a PK and you just want to be there, right? You're the best dressed guy in church. That's why you're sitting in the front row because you want to see what's going on. But the truth is, we all need God. It's just those who hit rock bottom that find out before the rest of us do. And some never will find out because they're self sufficient. But look, you can't put your hope, hope in yourself. I mean, you can't even make it through January with that New Year's resolution. Come on. Come on. <laughs> so where, where, where can we put our hope? Like 100% risk-free. Because you have to hope in people, in politicians, in money, in the market. There's a certain amount of hope. you got to believe that there's... There's going to be a return on your investment. Otherwise, you just can't live life on this side of heaven. You can't have any relationships. You have to trust. But you also have to be ready for disappointment. In fact, your level of disappointment, catch this, your level of disappointment is measured by how high your hope was and then your actual experience. So you say, I do at the altar, but then your experience ends up down here. That's your level of disappointment. Or women, when you marry potential, because you know he can become the man that you know he can be, and you're going to help him become that man. <laughs> yeah. And then he, he, he's like my wife said after we were married a couple years, she said, I'm now convinced that men stop maturing at 13. <laughs> But she was talking about Mark. She wasn't talking about me. Because we had, we had become close friends and she was watching Mark. And 
Mark, by the way, is going to open up our new series next week, How to Live a Meaningful Life. Uh, and uh, it's going to be a great series. You don't want to miss it. And so your, your disappointment depends on how high your hope was, like the Super Bowl, right? I was hoping Patrick Mahone was going to beat Tom Brady. And so you start, you, you start I'm sorry, I was, that was my hope. I'm sorry I'm, I just lost half the congregation. Look, come on, come out. I'm sorry, he does, he's writing back to like he had a demon in him. So I, I just thought maybe he needed some deliverance. And so your hope, your hope begins up here at the beginning of the game. And as the game continues, your hope starts to get lower and lower and less and less, right? Until you finally reach, and then this major disappointment. Where can you put 100% of your hope risk free? There's only one place. It's the hope of heaven. Not even hope in God on this side of earth, this side of heaven, on earth. Because you and I both know that we have prayers that don't look like they've been answered. There are promises that don't look like they come to pass. The Bible says that there are those who believed God's promises and they died without receiving the fulfillment of those promises that the next generation could experience the fulfillment of them. You and I can even trust God on this side of heaven, but it's not always going to work out 100% on this side of heaven. There's a lot of complications down here. The broken world, broken people, you got a fallen devil. But I'll tell you what, there's one promise that you can bank on. And I mean heaven's bank, and that is the promise of heaven itself. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 9. We're going to read this, we're going to walk down through here, and we're going to... Find a place where we can put all our eggs in that basket. Pun intended. Verse 3, 1 Peter chapter 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love the exclamation point. Praise. This is the Apostle Paul. He's excited about something. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a, everybody say it out loud, living hope. Is that up there? Got, we don't have a scripture up there? Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, and the NIV. You got it? Is it there? New living. All right, well, you guys do that and I'll do this. In the New Living Translation, it says, A living hope, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We're going to stop right there. We're going to unpack a little bit of that, and then we'll travel down through the rest of the text in just a minute. In His great mercy. You and I can't earn our ways to heaven. If you've not yet given your life to Christ, i got to tell you something straight up this morning. You are not going to make it if you do not give your life to Jesus. Don't be showing up. Don't think you're going to show up to heaven and anybody's going to be impressed with you. The only thing heaven is impressed with is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Heaven's impressed with the sacrificed Lamb of God. Heaven is impressed with the blood of Jesus. Why? Because you and I were, and some of you still are, what Jesus calls lost. 
That is, there is no hope for you to get into heaven. I know that is not good news. But you need to hear the bad news before you even know that you need good news. The bad news is all of us have sinned and fallen short of the, the perfection, the glory of Almighty God. We need a Savior. I remember one time somebody said, well, sin's not such a big deal. That word sin just means to miss the mark. Like an archer just shoots an arrow and misses the target. I'm like, well, somebody should have told the Father God that because he thought sin was such a big deal that he sacrificed his son on the cross for your and my sin. To be saved. To be rescued. I mean, it's one thing, like if you're walking down the sidewalk with a friend and you're about to bump into a pole and they say, oh, and they save you from bumping into a pole. That's one thing. You got saved from maybe get a little nod in your head or something. It's another thing. You're about to step into a street because, you know, you're looking at your phone and you're about to step into oncoming traffic. Somebody grabs you and saves you from that car. That's what Jesus Christ did when he came to the earth. not a small thing. It is a great mercy. The word mercy. Yes, it's true, the phrase that God helps those who help themselves. But you know who else He helps? Those who can't help themselves. Thinking about my wife who was in a wheelchair for the last month and a half. She's not anymore, thank God. But she was completely incapacitated. I'd have to lift her from the couch into the wheelchair. From the wheelchair you know, into the car. From the car into the wheelchair. She was completely helpless. That was our spiritual state when you and I came to Christ. We needed someone to take us from the powers of darkness. And the Bible says translate us or transfer us into the kingdom. For the dear son who is love. That was the Holy Spirit. You confess Jesus as Lord. You make Him Lord of your life. You, you ask Him to be your Savior. You, you turn your life over to Him. The Holy Spirit right then takes you and literally lifts you and transfers you from one kingdom into the next. It's called being born. Again, it's not joining the club. It's not because you're good looking. It's not because you have money. It's not because you were born in the right place or the right family. It isn't because you're right skin color. None of that. The only qualification to getting into heaven is that you are unqualified. And then you recognize that and you recognize you are doomed. There is no hope. And then you hear the gospel. <laughs> then you hear that heaven is a free gift bought by the blood of Jesus. You see, I didn't hear that growing up. I was raised Catholic. I know many Catholics. I have a Catholic priest here in town. He's got a 4,000 member congregation. He loves Jesus. There are Catholics who are saved. There are Catholics who do love Jesus. I just never heard the gospel being raised. I remember when I was a kid and uh, we had this little manger in the house and we were taught that, uh, you know, every time you do a good deed, you put a little straw, a little straw in Jesus's manger, and uh, and then and then you get rewarded later on how many straws you have in there. Now, of course, I was only like four or five years old, and so I thought I was slick. 
And so when my mom and dad weren't around, I would just grab a bunch of straws. I'd put them in my manger. The thing was all piled up with a bunch of straws, right? I didn't think anybody would notice. But you see, that's the way we're, that's what we're raised in religion, is that if you do something bad, then you do something good, it's a wash. It's all even. In fact, you might be able to outweigh your bad by doing more good. You get to heaven and everybody's going to be so impressed. Woo! Look at you, man. Wow! You are something else. No, the Bible says that if you have sinned one time, thought, deed, motive, the, the penalty is eternal separation from God. His great mercy the Bible says that we are saved by grace. That's not a, by faith. It's not of yourself. It's the gift of God. It is a gift. You don't clean yourself up to come to God. This is the mistake so many of us make. You think, well, once I get my life right, then I'll come to God. No, 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 no. You come just as you are. Stinky, ugly, mean, bitter, sin-ridden. You just come to Jesus. It's kind of like I told my daughter the other day. She's one of the dentists. She goes, oh, I didn't brush my teeth. Oh, don't worry about it. They'll clean you up when you get there. They got toothbrushes, toothpaste. She showed up and they said, oh, we stopped doing that. I was like, I was like God, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. So I went to the dentist last week and I forgot my toothbrush too. So I had to go to 7-Eleven. I had to buy one of those little travel kits, you know, got the toothbrush out. I went to my car. I looked around. Nobody's around. Opened the door, right? Got some water, brushed my teeth, spit it all on the parking lot. And then I moved my car and I went into the dentist's office. I had to clean myself up before I go to the dentist, you know, because you don't open your mouth and all this nasty comes out. That's not the way it is with God. It's His mercy that cleans you and I up. We come to Him just as we are. And then He will clean you up when you get there. So He goes on to say, His great mercy has given us new birth. That is a miracle. The new birth is a miracle. You're not saved just because you were born into a religion. I remember I was with some folks of a particular denomination, and uh, they believe that if you're saved into their denomination, that you're saved. How I many of you are born into it, then you're saved? I didn't know that. And so I'm at a, a pool party with this group of people from another denomination who believes that you're born into it, then you're good to go. And I said, yeah, this pastor became a lifeguard. And uh, there was somebody out there. They were drowning. And they just waved their hand. And the pastor said, oh, I see that hand. I see that hand. You don't get it, do you? Like when somebody gets saved in a church service, who wants to come to Jesus? Raise your hand. You raise your hand and say, oh, I see that hand. It doesn't work on you guys either. Do I got to start over? A pastor becomes a lifeguard. Somebody's in the ocean raising their hand because they're drowning. He says, I see your hand. Oh, my gosh. Born again. Jesus came up with that term, by the way. It's not people that come over that. Oh, those born agains over there. No, no, no. You're talking about Jesus. Jesus said, when somebody said, how do you get to heaven? He said, you must be born again. You were born the first time from your mama in a natural birth. The second one is a spiritual birth where you're born into the family of God. Can I hear an amen? amen. Can I hear a hallelujah? hallelujah? You're born into the family 
of God into what? A living hope. Not a dead hope. Not a hope you're hoping in and then it died. It's a living hope. It's a hope that goes on and on and on and on and on and on forever. How? How did this happen? Going one way. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The resurrection is what changes everything. My wife and I were watching a documentary this week. And these archaeologists found an Egyptian high priest that had been dead a thousand years. When they unearthed him, they were beside themselves. Well, guess what? We today are not celebrating a high priest that's been dead for a thousand years and they found his bones. We are celebrating the high priest that died 2,000 years ago and he rose from the dead three days later. That's the high priest we are celebrating. I think our joy should be a little bit higher than the archaeologist's joy finding a dead high priest. Amen. And Jesus' resurrection is everything. It's the cornerstone of Christianity. Why? Because if all you believe is that Jesus is a good teacher, that doesn't get you to heaven. Even if Jesus said he was more than just a teacher, that he, even if he said he was the son of God, which he said, and then he died and then he stayed dead, it's over. He clearly wasn't the son of God. Jesus said he had the power to lay down his life and the power to raise it up again. And then he proved it. There's nobody in his tomb. You can go to Israel today and you can look in his tomb and it's empty. And you can go through all of the you can go through all of the uh, opponents to the resurrection. And listen to how they try to disprove the resurrection. And every one of their arguments is easily dismantled. Easily dismantled. I've done a whole teaching on that. I'm not going to do that today. It is a lot easier to prove the resurrection than to disprove it. I'll give you one. For example. What's the most powerful, Mark used to be a lawyer, what's the most powerful thing you can have uh, in a, uh, uh, in court? An eyewitness, right. You have one eyewitness, you're in trouble, right? What if you have two eyewitnesses? If they agree. If they agree. It's over. It's conclusive. All right, well, the Apostle Paul said that he saw the resurrected Christ. Now, you got to remember... He used to persecute the church. He was the number one persecutor of the church, Saul. A real guy in history. Historians have written about him. He was persecuting the church, putting Christians in prison. And then all of a sudden, he becomes the number one apostle of the church, building churches all over the world. What happened to him? Well, he said what happened was the resurrected Jesus Christ appeared to him and said, knock it off, pretty much is what he said, paraphrased. He says he saw the resurrected Christ. So, is he lying? Why would he lie? He was powerful. He had position. He had prosperity. He had the government behind him. Why would he, why would he change? And then he says that all the apostles saw him. So there's 11 more, 12 with Judas. Well, no, 11. And then it says 500 people at one time saw Jesus. Now this is Luke writing this. Luke was the physician. 
educated, articulate, exact person. He was a physician that traveled with the Apostle Paul and wrote the entire book of Acts. That was The book of Acts is Luke, the physician's journal. He journaled everything. And he said that 40 people at one time saw Jesus. 50 at one time saw Jesus. Now, psychologists will tell you no two people can have the same illusion. The same hallucination. 500 people at one time say they saw the same thing, the resurrected Christ. I could go on and on and on showing how easy it is to prove the resurrection. But what does the resurrection do for us? One, it tells us that Jesus is who He said He is, the Son of God. Secondly, it means all of His teachings, everything He said is the absolute truth. It also means that He truly did defeat death so we can follow Him after you die, you give your life to Christ, you go right to heaven and you're with Him forever. And the other thing it proves is that His second coming is coming. He goes on and says that you have been born again through the resurrection of Christ from the dead into an inheritance that can never perish. Remember we talked about something you can put 100% of your hope in? Look at this. An inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. An inheritance kept in heaven for you. Now, I had an earthly inheritance. My dad was uber wealthy. Like, I told my wife that my dad had money. But she didn't meet my dad until the night before our wedding because of circumstances. We had a long-distance relationship. So she meets him the night before we get married. We get married, and then we fly to Ohio to go to his house. And as we pull up to his estate, and you got these huge gates with E on it for my la- our last name, Ator, and the gates begin to open. And then you see the largest home in the state of Ohio that he built. He was a builder. With this long road going to it, with multiple homes on either side that he built for his servants and all that all the way. And she turned to me and she goes, You told me your dad had money. You didn't tell me he had money. <laughs> but guess what? Somebody else entered the family, you know, Johnny come lately, and uh, my money. My inheritance grew wings and flew away. Thank God Hope didn't marry me for my money. And thank God that Hope and I didn't have our hope in money. In fact, when that happened, we were disappointed for a few minutes. And we're like, oh, well, we just moved on. Why? Because our faith is in God. We have a friend who's an estate lawyer, and she says she has never seen a family do it well yet. When there's money on the table, the best and the worst come out of us. That's why Jesus said, don't store riches for yourself on earth. Store them up in heaven where moth does not corrupt and thief does not approach. Remember I told you there's a place you can put 100% of your Easter eggs in? Remember that? The beginning of this message is one place you can bet all of your money it is heaven itself and did you know and this will be part of our teaching we start next week how to live a meaningful life you can invest in heaven right now while you're on earth hello every minute of every day is an opportunity for you and I to invest in heaven 
That's the inheritance it's talking about. There is an inheritance waiting for you when you get there. It's not just heaven itself. It is everything you've done for Jesus while you lived on the earth, you're going to get rewarded for it in heaven. Hello. Those of you showing up here early, setting up chairs, setting up TV screens, every dollar you give, every prayer you pray, every time you share your faith, that is getting rewarded, recorded and will be rewarded in heaven. But that's next week's message. But that's your inheritance. It's reserved in heaven for you. That means, well, here's the truth. Heaven is reservation only. It's like I had a meeting here uh, with some friends and I made reservations here at Ventana's. And I showed up and I, they said, what is your name? Do you have a reservation? He said, what's your name? John. They go, yeah, there he is right there. Because I got a reservation, I called ahead. The only way you can have a reservation in heaven is if you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Then he writes your name in a book called the book of life. It's not Ventana's reservation book. It's called the book of life kept in heaven. The only way to get your name in that book is to give your life to Jesus Christ. And there'll be no complications when you get there. Have you ever made a reservation and you show up and they can't find your name on the reservation? Somebody screwed up. Anybody ever experienced that before? Yeah. See that? That won't happen when you get to heaven. And hopefully, they won't tell you that half your party has to arrive before you can get in like they did to me over here. And so I'm sitting outside for about a half hour until everybody shows up. Now, of course, if you didn't lead anybody to the Lord, you can just show up and say, Reservations for one, please. But you don't want that to be, you do not want to go into heaven with a reservation of one. You want to say, uh, Reservation for 10, 20, 1,000. Right? You don't want to show up to heaven with a reservation for one. And then it goes on to say this. We're going to close. Okay, so. Just because you give your life to Jesus and your reservation is in heaven. Chris, is your your name written in the reservation in heaven? Ashley, you guys going together? All right, husband and wife, that's always a good thing. Good, you guys Mark? Courtney? Is your name? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Rachel? You on? Chris? You in there? Andy? Janine? Sam? Is your name in the book of life? Did you make reservation? Have you given your life to Jesus? Um, I don't have a wife, so I can't make reservations. I don't have a wife, so I can't make reservations. <laughs> Guess what, man? You can't get it on your wife's coattails, man. You better get in yourself. You like you, Mark? You said I can't only have, you said I can't make reservations with one. I have to have someone. Just because you give your life to Christ doesn't mean it's going to be easy on this side of heaven. In fact, it's going to be harder. Because you got an enemy called the devil. And as soon as you gave your life to Jesus, you not only joined his family, you joined his army. And now you're a threat. And so the Apostle Paul, uh, Peter, closes up by saying this. In all this, you greatly rejoice, which is what we're doing here today on Resurrection Sunday. Though 
Now for a little while, you may have, you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, watch this, your faith, your proven faith, which is greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire. Why is your tested faith greater than gold? He says it right here. Because it will result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. In other words, every trial that you suffer, that you do not throw in the towel. You do not quit on Jesus. You don't turn your back on God. Every suffering, every trial that you suffer on this side of heaven, that you stand firm and say, I'm still declaring God is good. I still am following Jesus Christ no matter what. Every time you do that, you're mounting up an inheritance in heaven. And this says when you get there, it will be to your, not his, to your praise, glory, and honor when Jesus is revealed. I want to encourage you in your trials, family. Don't waste the trial. Let your faith, which is more precious than gold, go deeper. You know they pave the streets in heaven with gold. It's pavement in heaven. What we value as the most precious commodity on earth, gold, they pave streets with it in heaven. Let the most precious thing you own in this life be your faith in Jesus Christ. Because that's what it is in heaven. Some of you have come to Christ, but you have gotten derailed. You've gotten off track. You need to come back today. Because you have a divine assignment. You have a divine purpose. We're going to be talking about this starting next week. But right now, you need to come back to Christ. Get back on track. And make the decision today that you are going to follow Jesus Christ every day of your life for the rest of your life till you see Him face to face. Be the best decision you ever make. Some of you, you gave your life to Jesus. You come to church. You love Him. But you still wonder what your purpose is in life. You should never wonder what your purpose is in life as a believer. The Bible is chock full of divine assignment. And again, we're going to talk about this starting next week. I came to Christ because I was empty. I didn't have purpose. I was going to school. I was going to college. I had a girlfriend. I had a job. I had a great family. I had great friends. But I had this hole on the inside of me. It was emptiness. It was purposelessness. Once I gave my life to Christ and found out what my divine assignment was, I have more purpose than I can handle. And it's been that way for almost 40 years now. I don't need more purpose. I don't want more purpose. I got too much purpose. Some of you have never come to Jesus yet. But today is the day for you to come to Jesus. Today is the day to have your sins completely forgiven. For every mistake you've ever made, erased from heaven's record books. Do you know there's two books in heaven? One is a record of all your sins you've ever committed. You say, well, why, why would heaven keep record of my sins? 
so that the day that you are judged by God because of the white throne judgment where everybody is going to be judged by God for the sins that we have committed. They're all recorded. That way when you get to heaven, you can't do the peacock and try to try to flare all the good deeds that you've done. Because the Bible says your righteousness is as filthy rags in the eyes of God. It's worthless. The Bible says wealth doesn't profit in the day of judgment. Our good works is like filthy rags. There's only one way to get into heaven, and that is through the blood of Jesus Christ. What he did for you on the cross. But do you know what happens with that book that has all your sins written on it? The day you give your life to Jesus Christ, it ends up looking like that. It's empty. And your name is written in a new book called the Book of Life. Reserved in heaven for you until the revealing of Jesus Christ. Will you all stand with me this morning? I don't care how bad it gets on this side of heaven. And you all who know me and know my life story right now with my wife and what we're going through, you know I'm talking to you from a place of authenticity. I don't care how bad it gets on this side of heaven. Heaven's coming. <laughs> Amen. We're living for the other side. We're not living for this side. The only reason you're still here is to help God's family grow. That's it. God loves you so much. He wants you in His family forever. And so He sent His Son to the earth, not to condemn the world, but that through Him the world might be saved. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God wants you in His family forever. And so if you've come into his family through his son and you're a son or daughter of God on earth right now, just waiting to go to heaven, why are you still here? Is to help other people become part of God's family. That's the whole purpose. Otherwise, we'd all go home right now. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes, bow your head. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ and you're ready to become a member of the family of God today, Receiving salvation is a free gift. Will you raise your hand wherever you are and raise it up high so I can see it? Raise your hand and say, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus Christ. I turn my life over to Him. Be my sins forgiven. And I want to know I'm going to heaven when I die. Okay, eyes closed. Who of you here, you gave your life to Jesus, but you got derailed. And on this Resurrection Sunday... You need a fresh start. If that's you, just raise your hand where we are. So I need to rededicate my life to Jesus. And those of you online that are watching, if you've never given your life to Jesus before, I'm going to pray a prayer with you in just a moment. And you're going to be ushered into the kingdom of God by the Holy Spirit. And those of you online who have not yet, or you have given your life to Christ, but you have fallen away and you want to come home and have a fresh start today, I'm going to pray a prayer for you as well. So online and here, I want you to repeat this prayer with me. This is for those who are coming to Christ for the first time. Say, Dear Jesus, 
I believe that you died for my sins. I also believe that you rose from the dead. And I'm giving my life to you right now. I turn my life over to you. I ask you to forgive all of my sins. Breathe your spirit into me now. That I may be born again. Now this prayer, for those of you who have walked away from the Lord and you want to come home, just pray this. Lord Jesus, forgive me. I'm coming home. Amen. Amen. Can we give praise for those who came to Christ today and for those who have returned to Christ today? Praise God. Let's give praise to the Lord for who He is. That He is good. The resurrection Christ. Amen and amen. I'm going to call the prayer teams up here. Some of you today may have sickness. You may have disease. You may be someone who gave your life to Christ today. And we want to pray with you. You may be someone who's coming back to the Lord today. And you want more prayer. Maybe you've fallen away from the Lord. You've grieved, quenched, resisted the Holy Spirit. And though you just came back to the Lord, you feel peace. You need empowerment. You come up front here to receive a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. And so the prayer teams are up. And as we begin to worship, I want you to move from your seats. You come on up front here. These prayer teams, they're going to pray with you. They're going to prophesy over you. Maybe you need deliverance. Maybe deliverance from addiction. Satanic oppression. Maybe you're tormented your mind, your body, your soul. These prayer team members are ready to pray freedom over you today. Jesus Christ, whom the sun sets free, is free indeed. Let Jesus set you free today. I'm going to close out today with a shout out to Jesus for Sebastian, who's here. They just called her cancer free. He is risen. Amen. We're going to close out with a song of praise. You need prayer coming up front. And happy Easter. To every battle, every heart.